When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here with an exciting show for you. We're looking ahead to the first preseason game of the year against the Titans. And this is always one of the really fun times to think about what do we really want to get out of the preseason? Who do we want to see play? What do we want to see happen? What do we want to see that we might see during the season? Here to join me about this topic, Alec Pulianos. Alec, how are you doing? Doing well, Ken. This is a really exciting time of the year. This is the first preseason game I'm going to go to as a season ticket holder. And I'm thrilled that it's a 2 preseason game uh, season, so to speak, just because I think that there's a lot to learn from these games. Yeah, I, I can remember my first preseason g- game as a season ticket <laughs> was against the Packers in 1996, and the Ravens blew it in the final seconds. They had a, they got the lead and they blew it in the final seconds, and it was a precursor of things to happen in 1996 when they blew a lot of second-half leads. <laughs> but uh, but we're, we're looking at, at a Ravens team, obviously, in 2022, has a real chance to contend. Uh, we will not see who they are in this preseason. I think that's a, a fair thing from a lot of different perspectives, not in terms of who's on the field, not in terms of scheme, a lot of which will remain hidden until that first game, uh, not even in terms of play calls that they make to try and optimize points, say, or optimize their <laughs> yeah. chance of winning. Yeah, and I think that's okay. Uh, we already know the Stars aren't going to play, so anyone who's a Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Marlon Humphrey – kind of level player Mm -hmm. um and that's okay too right Mm -hmm. i'm not against that i don't think this is what we need to see 
And although they're not going to be trying to score points, I would say the first thing I'm most interested in is what formations are they going to go into? Not necessarily the plays called out of those formations. I think that will be pretty bland. But I want to know the personnel packages they want to deploy, who's lining up in those packages, which teams. That's like the number one thing that I'm most curious about going into this game. Yeah, and I think we'll see a lot of vanilla on both sides of the ball in that regard. And I, I, I normally I start with the defense in this way because in, in terms of defense, the Ravens have been shown plain vanilla nickel packages pretty much for entire preseason games where it's just, just not the way that all they play during the regular season. You know, they're bringing out race car, they're bringing out a dime or even a, a quarter. We won't see those in the in the preseason much. We'll see some because they want to get all three safeties on the field, for example, in the dime. But uh, they, they won't do that a lot because they have inside linebackers they want to look at. And on the other side of the ball, on offense, I think we'll see a lot of standard 12 and 21 kind of formations, some and a fair amount of 11 as well, because the, that, those are the three normal ones. We won't see 13. We won't see 10. We won't see 01. Uh, you know, we're not going to see a lot of uh, heavy uh run packages or you know qb power packages because they're not oh, yeah. gonna try and do that in the preseason <laughs> obviously so we're, we're we're down to you know not the icing on the cake but the cake alone in terms of uh of what uh players they put on the field they also don't have all the personnel ready to go i mean they have obviously a limited set of running backs and a limited set of tight ends now without kolar yeah but that's an okay thing because i think the big question is if there is going to be a fourth running back, I feel pretty confident you'll have Gus and, and JK and uh, Beatty. But after that, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and maybe Gus is, stays on the pup and then they're able to keep a third around that way and they don't have to necessarily do a fourth. But that's a huge question. And there's been positive things said, a lot of coach speak about all the running backs. So now it's time to see them in game situations and what they're able to produce. Yeah, and, and the Ravens, of course, have options to keep that fourth running back on the roster. I don't think it's a bad idea at all to, to keep one, but they really don't think of this in terms of a 53-man roster because that's not the way the Ravens think of it. They think of it more like a 56 or a 57 where they'll have handshake deals with several veterans, Tony Jefferson, Brent Urban, Kayvon Seymour, those kind of players mm-hmm. who may well make the initial 53 but uh, sorry, will not make the initial 53, but then they'll be on the week one roster after they manipulate some guys uh, onto injured reserve immediately after having them make the team. So that's a good place to stash a running back for a while. Obviously, Pop is another place that's a lot more of a significant commitment to keep somebody uh, you know, on the shelf for the number of weeks that Pop requires, which I, I can't remember now if it's six or eight anymore. I think it's uh, six. Okay, but... so that's, that's quite a while oh, before yeah, they is. get that player back. Uh, not saying that that's where Tyus Bowser might end up or or really any of the PUP guys right now. Gus Edwards would be probably the most likely to be on there for a longer term. Yeah, disappointing to see that Gus is a little behind on his recovery. I'm a little worried about him in general at this point um, just because they got injured within a couple of days of each other, but their timelines seem to be drastically different. Um, so we'll see how that plays out and what he's able to bring this season. Corey Clement and uh, um, Mike Davis, both uh, power backs, uh, both a kind of a thicker, a uh, little bit smaller build, but more, more of a typical running back 5'10", 5'11", 220. Um, those are guys who uh, probably can take Edwards's role and do it not as well. Um, Corey Clement, more of a background as a receiver. 
Uh, Mike Davis, not a particularly good yards per touch player anywhere, wherever he touches the ball. Uh, so I, I, I do kind of question whether or not he should be on the roster. But you know, we'll, we'll leave that for future weeks. Let's talk about the about this first game. In terms, of, let's start with running back if you like. Who do you want to see there? Who do you want to see getting carries in this first game? I mean, ideally, the rookie um, is is the one getting a lot of touches and and flashes the most. I think um, we have a pretty good idea of what Mike Davis and Corey Clement are at this point. I think we have a decent idea of what Nate McCrary is, um, <laughs> and I think. We don't have a clear idea yet of what Beatty is, but we have an idea of what he can be. And I think there's a lot of excitement around what he can be, particularly as a pass catcher. Now, I don't expect them to show their hand too much with the screen game or how they might use him as a pass catcher, but I do expect some planned dump-offs and things of that nature and see what he's able to produce. You know what I want to see? I do want to see him touch the football, of course. That's ideal. But the other thing I want to see, if you're going to make him a third down block back, I want him to be in pass blocking. Yes, on some 11 personnel plays on early downs where normally a chance or in the season, he might, he might not be the number one running back and be getting those first and second down opportunities. But if he's in there on first and second down, he's blocking uh, for Jackson and fulfills that well enough. And, you know, he's, he's uh, that is the knock. That is the question about him in terms of can he hold up as a pass blocker at the NFL level, then you really have something potentially. Yeah, for sure. And that's, uh, I think, the biggest hope and the biggest thing I want to see out of that position group. And then if one of those other three guys can step up and make uh, a claim for themselves to be a part of this team uh, going forward, I think that's all positive as well. And I think, honestly, one of them will. I, mm-hmm. I think one of them will make enough of an impression that the Ravens are willing to use a roster spot, be it by handshake or by uh, just normal methods. I think they will prioritize a fourth running back, and I think one of them is going to come away with the job. Yeah, Mike Davis could be that guy, of course. So could Corey Clement as being the uh, a veteran men salary guy who could be on the roster. Both of those, those are also good candidates to have non-guaranteed salary for the whole year. So you bring them back after week after week one. You don't even have them right. on the roster in week one, and then you re-sign them, and you have a handshake for that, and then they're on the team as long as they're doing the job, which is kind of what you'd want. That's what they had last year, I guess, with Le'Veon Bell when, when he came in after week one. Yep, exactly. And maybe what they do with any um, free agent wide receiver at this point is mm-hmm. rather than paying for the whole year, paying for the weeks that they want him. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, lots going on at running back. Um, a lot of the things, you know, are, are, are things that are going on in practice that we won't necessarily get a good look at at any point. I don't think we, I've heard it reported well anywhere, but uh, how well the mesh handoff situation is going on is one thing uh, that's absolutely critical to the Ravens offense. So, uh, you know, if it, it's, it was my supposition last year, I think you might have shared this belief that Tyson Williams probably was not mastering the mesh handoff well mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of being able to just let go of a ball that that had already been in the mesh. It's it's, it's a difficult thing for some running backs to do. Um, Mark Ingram was terrific at it. Not every other running back has been all that good, and and it's caused some fumbling problems for Jackson, particularly in 18, uh, but also lingering problems even in the years since. Yeah, and unfortunately, we won't have the Jackson side of that equation, but I think it's worth running it with Huntley and worth Mm -hmm. getting um, as much exposure to that as possible. So I do think that they'll show that. I do wonder how much of it, just because I think that is more than just the vanilla cake at that point, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at least of the offense. But I think you can make a couple plays that are just standard runs out of that. 
Yeah, it's Jackson specific too in terms of how your pulls are. If you don't have Jackson in there reading the leverage, then you're probably not seeing what the running back can do in terms of having the yeah. the most advantaged handoffs <laughs> to to uh, try and make a play on. How about we move to the offensive line, and then we'll come back to the wide receivers and tight ends here after that. But uh, to me, this is this is the most interesting group always to watch in the preseason. Uh, one of the first things I look for is the order of entry because I think that says the most about what the teams really believe about the relative value of their players and what they really want to see out of them. Yeah, for sure. Who the starting lineup is. It looks like at this point it might be McCary at center if uh, Linderbaum's still Mm -hmm. uh, hurt. So we'll get to see some action of that, and I think that's always a good thing to see. Um, Juwan James looks like he'll be the starting left tackle, which will be really exciting from a perspective, this is a first game action, despite being preseason that we he's had since 2019. Um, so we definitely want to see what he's able to do and um, see who's going to start at left guard, probably powers um, and, and what other order of players that come in after that. Right. I, th- I think it may be Phillips at left guard, but we'll see. Um, you know, you, you hear various things about, about uh, powers of Phillips being the guy right now, but Phillips, I think has taken more of the first team snaps recently. And um this is an interesting thing that they'll do with Phillips because obviously the biggest concern with him has been mobility. You know, he's, he's a tackle, elephant-sized player, very long arms. Makes much more sense for him to be playing on the right side, but the Ravens obviously have a good right guard in Zeitler, a guy we won't see for hardly any time in this game. Uh, but Phillips, you know, this is the chance in the preseason to scheme up some plays for him to pull, whether they're counters where he's the, the lead of two or whether they're just single right-handed pull efforts even some some scoops off to the left side would be you know something to see, but need to see him pull, and we need to see him get to level two, resolve blocks quickly uh, with McCarry most primarily on the inside to to get to level two. So I, I'm I think they will be designing plays, if anything, to see what they get specifically out of certain blockers, and there's got to be a high degree of focus on that left guard position, given that's the really the only one that's up in the air at this point. Right, and I think you said that. Um... In the past, they had Bresden pull like six times in a preseason game. That was, was uh, that was, was uh, Nico Siragusa when he oh, first okay. came back from his injury. Gotcha. But yes, but yeah, like something like that would be, uh, I think, an ex- expectation. And I'm glad to hear that Phillips is getting more of the first team reps. I know it's gone back and forth during camp, and I, I'm pulling for him to be the starter at this point. Uh, I guess I want him to be great. I don't know mm-hmm. if he is, but I want him to be. And this is the biggest uh opportunity for him to secure the job at this point yeah he's he's being almost had it handed to him on a silver platter in terms of the opportunity because powers obviously the ravens would still have some value in cutting him uh you know if they can save two and a half million dollars roughly uh cleveland just killed himself by showing up out of shape and not able to pass the the test and Oftentimes, by the way, that conditioning test, you don't pass it the first day, you pass it the second day, it's basically completely forgotten. Defensive backs, Lark Darius Webb, some other players have been through that. Um, I think Mike Wallace might have even failed the conditioning test at one point. But anyway, p- players have failed it. And if they, as long as they pass it the next day, no big deal. But Cleveland missed four days of practice with this. And that's just an awfully large eight ball to be behind when... A lot of people had questions anyway about you being the starting left guard, despite how he played reasonably well down the stretch, didn't have a good game against the Rams. Otherwise, his last four games were pretty good. And it's it's a, you know, 
it was there for the taking. And then he shows up and he, and he feels like a conditioning test. Yeah. And I know that there, I don't make much of the depth charts that are created by mm-hmm. the PR team, but he's listed right now as a right guard. And I think that's interesting because I wouldn't be shocked to see him play there if they're trying to protect Zeitler in the preseason game. So maybe he gets some first team runs um, in the preseason and it'll be a huge opportunity for him to, to show something. And then maybe he'll get a chance again at left guard by game two, if he plays well. But I think he has to show a lot in this game um, just to make up for lost time. Yeah. I, I, I think he does need to see a lot. What I'd like to see is probably one series out of Phillips at left guard. Maybe he goes two, and then you bring in somebody else at right guard. But, but what I would think after two series for Phillips at left guard, I'd like to see him move to right guard and then see if he can do some of the other job. And they've, they've messed themselves up with Phillips in the past, trying to get him to play two positions. There are differences between left guard and right guard. There's definitely significant schematic differences and responsibility differences. But that's a lot closer than asking him to play left guard and right tackle. Uh, you know, in terms of, of what he's being asked to do. So uh, I, I do want to see Cleveland play some left guard in this game. I think if you put him at right guard and that's all, that's all he plays during the preseason, you're basically saying he's not going to, he, he's out of the running for that left guard job. Right, for sure. Yeah, I would definitely like to see him there. The other player I'm really looking forward to seeing is Daniel Falele. Yep, me too. Can't wait. And I think he's going to get some left tackle run as well as right tackle. I think we'll see him on both sides in the game. And uh, that that's super exciting. Uh, I'd love to see him against first teamers. I don't know how realistic that is because even the best first teamers aren't even playing in these games. Mm-hmm. But um, just seeing him at all will be excellent. Yeah, I, I, I don't expect him to play for much of the first half. If he comes in, it'll be after, you know, whatever, you know, what we would normally have as a number twos, uh, you know, during practice, you know, are already out of the game. Uh, Fowl Lilly will get his chance at that point after Juwan James retires for the night, for example. Uh, he may get some other uh, opportunities in there. I would love to see him you know, play as a gadget guy somewhere. I don't think you're giving away too much of the playbook to have him line up at tight end or something. In fact, you may actually be scaring the crap out of a defensive coordinator who will watch some preseason tape somewhere down the line to line him up as, as Lodi Nada did back in the 08 to 10 era. Yeah, and I think actually, if I had to make a guess, I think James gets like at least two possessions, mm-hmm. and I would say Moses maybe only gets one. So then you can slide him in as a right tackle, and then yeah. after uh, James retires, move him over to the, left. to the left. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be a good bet. That'd, that'd be a good bet. I mean, they've got other guys. They've got Jared Jones Smith. I think Sharp has been hurt. Uh, he, I believe he yeah. missed practice today. So if that's the case, then then he's not likely, I don't think, to play in this game. We'll see if if he's if he's back in time for it. But he may not got, get much playing time. But it is a, a place where they have a couple of backups. And they actually need to sort through that end of the roster and decide what they have. Not so much because either of them is likely to make the roster, but they may not want to keep both on the practice squad. Uh, and, and the second thing would be if the Ravens' depth doesn't hold up for any reason, Ronnie Stanley isn't ready to start the season, or one of these other guys gets hurt, whether it's James or what, or, or James can't play. You know, we, we've, we hoped and we hoped and we hoped, and then it's been three years, and James looks like James plus three. And yeah. that's, yeah, which is no longer James, James at 17, James at 16, whatever that, whatever right. that show was from the <laughs> 1970s. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, there's people who remember that show. Like, I'm going to be worried about you. <laughs> another another guy I am 
concerned about a little bit, or interested in seeing, would be the right way to say it, is Khalil McKenzie. Now, uh, he was seeing some second-team reps at the stadium practice, which was interesting. Uh, He's a guy who is playing for a spot on the OL, I'm using air quotes, and is really a guy whose designation has value as an offensive lineman to be a fifth defensive lineman for a game where the Ravens want to scrimp there. So he'd be both the eighth offensive lineman that allows him to be on the roster and, and, and forces you not to waste an extra roster spot, and then he'd be the fifth defensive lineman. So it'd be nice if they knew they could at least get a replacement-level value out of Khalil McKenzie playing guard that they'd be sure they could they could use him on defense and that would allow them to play some jumbo formations and do some other things they'd really like to do in short yardage uh, by having him out there as as the fifth defensive lineman in a game where they're shorthanded. Yeah, I could definitely see him um, making room. I think he has a little bit of an uphill battle just given the depth at the guard positions. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you'd have to be... I don't even know what I would rate it as. I think... Uh, I guess, like, if you run the numbers, he could make it if they get rid of of powers. I think that's his real best shot in. I mean, he's they'll carry ten to have um, nine healthy to make eight on game day is the right. way I say it. So the, I, I do expect them to have ten offensive linemen on the roster. If they if they do that, then. Uh, somebody's out of a job, and it might be Powers. It might be someone who's hurt. It could be that Ronnie Stanley isn't ready to start the season and is and is on pup or ir. Either one. Um, it it could be, you know, it could it could be a there's yeah. a multitude of different ways it could still work out. Depth holding up is one of the things. The Ravens have been really good about always having their depth need plus one at every position in camp. So mm-hmm. they they have exceptional depth, particularly during these preseason games that helps them get to week one with at least a, a, a functional set of players and not like a gaping hole to start the season. Right. And I actually want to add in that Tristan Cologne mm-hmm. and his performance in this preseason game will be really important, particularly again, if um, Linderbaum's out and let's say they want to not use McCary there because they're really trying to make him to be the super sub. Yeah. If Cologne can play it at a high enough level or as well as McCary was, then there you go. But I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be able to provide that. Yeah, Cologne, I think, is a long shot to make the team in, in his third year now. So, you know, he'll, he, he's already he's used up a lot of his declining option value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're, you're into, you know, what can he really provide you in 2023? And then it'll be a year four player, which is the exact same position Powers in, is in now, except that Powers already has a year as a starter behind him. So, mm-hmm. Cologne, I think, I think the Ravens' depth would have to not work out to have him be around. It's not, not to mean he couldn't be on the practice squad and couldn't be a guy the Ravens eventually would even turn to uh, ahead of, you know, a player like Jimmy Murray, say, um, to, to, to be the next uh, next guy. But I think if they if they cut him, probably somebody else picks up Tristan Cologne and we see him in another uniform. I agree. I think he's too good to uh, make it back. Uh, I'm actually not expecting to see much of McCary in this game. So I, I think you're right about Cologne. I think mm-hmm. that we'll see a fair amount of him. A series of McCary would be reasonable. You know, a series of McCary at two different places would be reasonable if you want to if you want to give him a series at right guard as well. Uh, but I think we'll we'll basically see very little of Zeitler, McCary, and Moses of the current offensive linemen, uh, and it'll be a it'll be the rest of the guys uh, carrying them through this game. Yeah, for sure. 
And that's the thing that's hard about the preseason. Some of those players that were not on the protected list, so to speak, are valuable players to this team, and we don't want to see them get injured either. But you have to play somebody, and you can't just play a bunch yeah. of like. There's just there literally aren't enough scrubs, quote unquote, or like you know guys who aren't going to make the roster. So you have to play somebody, uh, yeah, which is important to seeing their growth, right? But it's also a little bit scary. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. I mean, you you can in the second half at most positions you can have a guy on the field who is at the fringe of the roster at the very best. Mm-hmm. But there are positions like safety for the Ravens where their whole safety core is pretty damn good. I wouldn't want to take a chance. I mean. Tony Jefferson, do you want to see him on the field with Geno Stone at safety in the second half? I mean, those guys are actually important to the team in terms right. of what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Ben Powers, the thing about him is that I don't think his fate's in his own hands. I think his fate is with a bunch of other players. And, and Ben Cleveland did him a big favor, you know, showing up mm-hmm. out of shape. That certainly helps him. But uh, even if he were to play very well in this preseason, he's still a year four player. And I think the Ravens probably... If all other things being equal, or if they have somebody else who they think they can play the position, or if Power, or if Cleveland is ready in his second year, I think Powers is a guy maybe they cut. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I do think, despite everything we're making out of the Cleveland demerits of being late to camp, at the end of the day, when they're making roster decisions, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. If he's able to play, and he's playing at the level that we were hoping, or even a little bit less, but he's not made a huge regression in some regard. I think powers are in the same spot. Um, Cause I don't think they're going to hold that against Ben powers when it's time to, you know, lay the cards down. So to speak. You, you just did put two pretty big conditions on it though. And they're both it, conditions on yeah. Cleveland <laughs> that are deciding powers. Is oh, oh yeah. No, for, no, no, yeah. for sure. I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm just saying is like, um, I think like you're saying, Cleveland's still in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. right? Even though powers has been helped by the, the Cleveland problems, I, I think Cleveland still has a lot of like quote unquote leverage. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I, 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 and I think Ben, Pow- uh, Ben Powers has real value to this team. I think he, he's a guy I would like to see kept, but uh, the other thing, you know, the powers is also going up against McKenzie for a 10th offensive line spot. And, and in the case of McKenzie, you save a bunch of money and you have an extra defensive lineman available. And just the Ravens really seem to want that from, from what I can tell. So I, I think Khalil McKenzie actually has a, has a, a better, a, a, a pretty good lottery ticket on making this roster. Could, could be multiple mm-hmm. ways they could get him on, but, but pretty, good, pretty good chance. All right, let's move on. A skill position players. Uh, talk about quarterback first. Huntley and Hundley yeah. uh, will get most of the uh, time this week. Uh, the, the brief question about him on 105.7 this morning, and they, they asked me, which one do you think gets the number two job? I, don't, I haven't. I'd have no reason to believe that Huntley is not the guy. Huntley um, has not looked really impressive in terms of his accuracy uh, from what I've seen. Uh, I think we'll see him a lot. Uh, we'll, I think we'll see, uh, uh, forget Anthony, Anthony Brown. The third string, Anthony Brown, yeah, yeah. The third string quarterback uh, as well in, in the second half. He probably gets one to two series as well, but uh, they'll probably try and see what they have with Huntley too. Yeah, I think from the quarterback position, Huntley is secured in the number two role i would be absolutely floored if brett hundley or anthony brown really do much uh in these games to make the ravens even wonder if they're going to carry a third quarterback but i do think there's value for them in the practice squad i think uh they're playing that delicate balance of don't be so good that somebody else claims you but good enough that uh we want to keep you around for the the practice squad 
But um, obviously these players are going to play the best that they can and we'll see what happens. But uh, I think with the, I think Hundley is going to play maybe two quarters and then Brown the last quarter. Do you think that's Mm -hmm. fair? Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's reasonable. We might see Huntley play almost till halftime, but Huntley will come in in the second quarter and then, and then play, uh, until the fourth quarter, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to point out Brett Huntley is now 29 years old. He's played three NFL games since 2017 and Ravens fans probably remember him from the 2017 game, but he was the quarterback for Green Bay when the Ravens went in there and shut him out 20 to nothing. So it, this is a... Uh, a guy who's been around the NFL for a while, has a career quarterback rating, and it's not in a whole lot of games. You know, he's three and six career as a starter, but his quarterback rating is only 67.6 for his career. There's nothing about this that tells me this is a guy that the Ravens have some element of control over or whatever it might be that they would value him ahead of Huntley. I just think it's pretty clear that Huntley, a third year guy, um, you know, with you know two years of team control obviously left, including this one. Uh, would be more attractive than than uh, Hundley would be. Boy, it's tough to say those two names. That's terrible. I was going to say we should call him Brent and Tyler. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't have much more to say about the quarterbacks. I just hope they're able to stay healthy and and play well enough. I'm not worried about it from a Tyler Huntley perspective, but more so mm-hmm. Brett Hundley and Anthony Brown. I don't want them to play well enough that we can evaluate what we have at the wide receiver and tight end position. Because, great, great point. <laughs> yeah, because it's really important. At least for a wide receiver. I think tight end, eh, not as much. I think we know what we got a little bit. But with the wide receivers, there's a huge, huge opening for wide receiver five. Mm-hmm. It's literally anyone's game. And maybe even wide receiver six, mattering on how roster construction goes. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, there's a, certainly there's a, there's a big field of players there that want accurate passes thrown to them so they can put up <laughs> right. the act plays. Uh, or maybe something inaccurate that still might be catchable. That they can show off their chops that way, but if you know, if the quarterback's way off target, they're they're not going to have a lot they can work with. Uh, let's talk about that tight end position a little bit. Isaiah likely uh, now appears with Kolar's injury certainly to be the clear rookie winner. So we may have another case of the second tight end drafted as the guy who really produces. Yeah, likely is a. Uh, it, it's so funny that he's turning all these heads and everyone's trying to hold back but even when the players are saying it it's it's harder to say that so i'm glad to see that he's flashing um i think he'll play a huge part on this team uh, particularly with uh with kolar being hurt like you said so i think we'll see a ton of him this uh, season uh, it, it's it's scary to think like he's not it's not going to slow down his playing time but part of me is like he's starting to get enough notoriety that he might get subbed out sooner which is kind of crazy to think for a rookie yeah, I mean they need to keep him healthy for starters. Right. They, you know, when the, with they're, they're sitting Mark Andrews, that's smart. Nick Boyle is going to get some reps apparently in this game. He was saying yeah. that at the podium the other day, but uh, it's he's a uh, you know then you, you get into a couple guys after likely who are not you know pure top end pass catchers, and so their role is you know they've they've got to basically have the Ravens depth not hold up to make the team and and you know there are three guys here really that are fit into that group Tony Poljan who's the best blocker of the group probably yeah he's enormous mm-hmm. uh, he could be an inline guy uh, he could certainly you know run in some packages for you he doesn't demand playing time but think Eric Tomlinson in terms of how he could help you maybe on a combination of special teams and some inline blocking tight end get down the field a little bit. 
If you lost Nick Boyle again for some reason, maybe Tony Poljan can help you know, be a replacement so you don't have to bring Patrick Ricard up as a sixth offensive lineman mm-hmm. effectively. Right. Uh, you know, I think I think he's got potentially somewhere to go. Josh Oliver is in his fourth year. There's no future value to Josh Oliver. The future is right now. You got him right now. If he's going to make the team, if you think he can help you, he could be a fourth tight end as well. And, and uh, you mentioned the roster construction thing. It really does leave open the prospects that there'd be a six wide receiver, three tight ends, maybe another guy gets slipped on to IR as a mm-hmm. tight end via, via a uh, um, handshake agreement with a veteran. Mm-hmm. So you have, some, you have some backup there. But not impossible that's the way it ends up. And, and uh, you know, either... Neither of those guys is so great. Maybe Josh Oliver gets taken, but Oliver and Paul Jan are not so great that if you put them on the practice squad, I don't think they, they wouldn't still be there when the time came that you needed them. Right. I agree with that. I'm really curious to see Boyle. He's saying a lot of things about being healthier than ever, but also wanting to obviously get some preseason work because it's been a while since he's played and felt comfortable. Um, So I hope that he's able to, I don't know, get what he needs out of it quickly. (laughs) I don't Mm want to see him in there too much uh, because I feel like, you know, if he's healthy and playing well, he's also a a valuable, very valuable asset to the team. But um, definitely super curious about Josh Oliver. I think that we'll see a lot of him. I remember last preseason, they they designed a lot of looks to him, and I I expect the same thing this year. Yeah, a lot of, uh, frankly, a lot of little crap looks in both the preseason and the regular season where he's going on these, like, short out routes and flat routes and whatnot that, that, you know, didn't amount to much. You know, he's he's the level zero guy on a uh, bootleg play, you know, which is the closest option. That's not really testing what you might have with Josh Oliver. That's just, you know, what any guy in that position can do it. Nick Boyle can do it and you know everybody else can Ben Mason can probably do it <laughs> right. in terms of of you know what you what you get out of that position. If you want to test Oliver, you got to get him down the field. You got to get him in on play action, use him in the middle of the field, use him to run the seam as you as you would like, but you've got to find out what you have. Um and I I don't know if they're if they're really ready to even try and do that. Uh they may decide they may you know really feel like they have everything they need in terms of uh, of Josh Oliver and who he is. And if their depth does, doesn't hold up, then he's in the picture. And if their depth does hold up, then he's not. Right. Yeah, so I, I guess we'll find out with him and uh, see how much he's getting used. I think he'll, he'll definitely get a decent amount of play time, though. Mm-hmm. I actually would say, in a way, I'm almost more excited to see Pole Jan and what he can do uh, with any opportunities to run routes. Um, because I think, like you said, we have a little bit of an idea with Josh Oliver. He got some run during the regular season last year. Um but what about Poljan? He didn't really get that. Right. Ben Mason, a guy probably ends up in the practice squad. But I'd like to see him in a little bit of a move role in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously, that's what they brought him back for. He's, in my mind, slated for the practice squad all the way. Hopefully he's not a guy who, who immediately goes and signs to some other team we're about to play just for the special team's intelligence. But, uh, you know, we, I, I would like to see what he can do as a move guy in these couple of games here. Actually, these three games, I guess, because he's definitely a candidate to be playing plenty in in game three. For sure. All right. Uh, did we talk a little bit about the running backs? We want to talk a little bit about wide receiver because I I don't even really feel like we need to talk about the top four wide receivers. Their, their places are all secure, clearly, in terms of who they are. And we probably won't see much of them in the preseason game. Maybe Tylen Wallace gets a, 
a bigger opportunity in game one than he might get to start the season, that would be about the only thing I'd be able to point to. Yeah, for sure. I think we'll see a lot of him, particularly with Duvernay out or, you know, he's nursing some injury, so he'll be uh, most likely not used in this game. I think Prochet is starting to flash in, in, uh, you know, the videos that they're posting of the top plays of the, of the camp. And, and obviously that makes me smile and and excited. I I really love that player, but um, like you said, his, his role is so kind of well-defined at this point. I feel like he'll get a similar treatment to Bateman as far as playing time. So whatever we see for Bateman, we'll probably see for Prochet at this point. I don't think that they're terribly curious or they're, they're going to let that play out in practice more so. But uh, yeah, Tyler Wallace, he needs to get the reps in my opinion, because I think that he has an opportunity to be somebody really valuable for this team in this season, but I think he needs to show it. And I'm, I have some concerns from the stadium practice and how he was being used there. So I want to see what he can do with this opportunity. Yeah, we should see we should see a fair amount of him. So he's a guy who uh, you really want to see what kind of wiggle he can provide at the top of the route. Throw a couple comeback routes, throw a couple back shoulders, throw a couple deep routes, have him move to the middle of the field, something he didn't do all that much of in college, and uh, and see what he does there. Uh, I, I'm, I'd be interested to see him used in a few different places. But again, I think he's gone by halftime in this game, certainly. Yeah. Uh, the, the Ravens have a very deep bench of uh, guys who are all fighting for one spot, probably, and Bolden and Bridges and Jalen Moore, who's, who's looked pretty good at camp. By the way, there's never been a single better situation for camp darlings at wide receiver than you get with the Baltimore Ravens, who have four receivers of questionable depth to start at the top. <laughs> yeah, well, and the thing that's actually really funny about this whole scenario is... I think there was the video from it, but like immediately after the draft, they're like calling every wide receiver that didn't get drafted (laughs) being like, come on over, come on over. And before you know it, they had like 11 of them or something ridiculous. Like they've had an incredible amount of wide receivers, um, undrafted free agents and, and some that were around last year too, that are, that are fighting for this job. And I I have no idea who it's going to be. I mean, I have some favorites, right? I have like mm-hmm. three favorites and maybe like one of them makes it maybe two. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's a crazy, crazy uh, battle and, and maybe one of the most interesting parts of the preseason. Yeah, I, it, it definitely will be. And, and you know, they, they run a fairly pass-happy offense in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, until they start to get it into week three, they really want to try and get the preseason over with because they want to avoid injuries, particularly at the at, at the very end. You want to avoid injuries all of preseason, of course, because you don't want to end up paying guys that aren't going to be on the team otherwise. Mm-hmm. But you really want to avoid it in that third game when in the second half when you got your guys who are not going to make the roster, they're just going to be on the practice squad on the field. You don't want to end up paying these guys, you know, eight hundred thousand dollars or whatever the vet, the, the uh, rookie minimum is to play instead of having them be on the practice squad at that rate. It's just that's a big hit to the cap that you can you can take right away at that point. So uh, hopefully, ho- hopefully the uh, the wide receiver decision is made before then. I personally think the wide receiver decision is going to come down mostly to special teams. And yeah. I'm not a big fan. I think every every receiver has to be able to contribute something both to offense and to special teams in order to, to really be of value. And certainly every wide receiver five, but more so really probably of this group. Watch the Gunners. Watch what receivers are getting opportunities as gunners. Watch who's getting a, a, a return opportunity. Because if Duvernay at any point can't go, 
you know, that, that could be a guy who's, who's back there to return kicks. Watch who's uh, jamming. Is it just cornerbacks or are they having a wide receiver jamming? Watch who's on uh, the outside on, uh, or really anywhere from L1 to R5 on kickoffs. Watch those guys and see, watch who's on the hands team, even on, on, um, on kick returns. Um, and, and you may see who those uh, favored WR5 guys are from that. And, uh, you know, it, you, you can always get that one extra slot guy, you get the one extra guy, but the guy who's, who's probably they're going to really want to make sure they keep on the practice squad for starters, um, because we could be we, we still could be in a position where none of these guys make the team and the Ravens acquire a veteran and bring it, bring someone in. And he's the fifth guy, but then they still have three guys on the practice squad. And maybe those are the three spots that are really getting fought over in this preseason. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that this could be going. I agree with you, though. The special teams is going to be a big deciding factor. Uh, I'd be somewhat surprised if one of the wide receivers makes such a clear statement that they should be the number five, um, regardless of special teams play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, But I do think that most likely whoever is making that kind of impact will also have enough special teams contributions to to get the spot. But yeah, that, you're, you're 100% right, particularly with the practice squad and how that's going to fill out i'm starting to think that they're not going to get a uh free agent before the season starts i think it'll be during the season if mm-hmm. anything but uh that's that's neither here nor there really when it comes down to it i mean these players are gonna have to show what they can do and if they're valuable to the team long term and i don't think it's a given that two of them will necessarily be on the practice squad right like probably but even that's not even necessarily a given it, 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 they'd have to probably be able to provide something. One of the nice things you can get out of your practice squad players with two practice squad call-ups per week possible is you can, you can get a one-week special teams fill-in guy. So you're, you're, you're down a receiver or, or you're one of your, your fifth receiver you don't really need as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you let him sit for the week. You bring up a, a, a practice squad wide receiver and you, you work it that way. Um, but this is, there are various ways, obviously, they can deal with that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I really want to see how it plays out. And I'm not I, I don't think there's a lot of point in judging this point. I didn't think a few years ago there was any way they would cut Butler, but they mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I just I, second half receiving against, you know, to use the Wink Martindale phrase, door dash corners uh, is <laughs> yeah. not what ought to earn you a spot necessarily on an NFL roster. Future gym teachers of America. There you go. <laughs> Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball here. Uh, and, and I think my biggest concern, I'll just start right off with it, is that outside linebacker and how thin the Ravens are right now. Yeah, that, that's totally. I mean, it's so devastating what happened uh, with the Achilles injury and three seasons in a row. Um, just, I mean, honestly, kind of heartbreaking uh, for Beagle. So I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, we start seeing the health of other players on the outside linebacking position improve. Uh, Dalen Hayes, obviously he seems like he's fully healthy again after whatever he was dealing with last year. And I think he has the best spot to, to show growth. And I've heard that he's been playing well in camp, which is great. Um, we saw so much promise out of him during the preseason last year that, uh, would love to see that keep up this preseason. Yeah. He had a terrific preseason last year and, and we're going to need to see, um, maybe not. I, I don't need to see the great pass rushing, and I hope he kind of doesn't play all that long in this preseason. And, and, and what that would tell me is they have tremendous confidence in him. If, we, if, if Dalen Hayes 
this first week plays two series and then is pulled, we know the Ravens think he's ready to go. Right. If he, yeah. if he, if he plays a whole half, I'm more concerned about what they think about him. It's almost like they're still evaluating him at this point. And they really need him to show. But what he's got to show to me is is the ability to cover. Uh, if he's going to be on that on that strong side, he needs to be able to go off the line of scrimmage, stay with a tight end, disrupt the tight end, do all the things he needs to do, play a short, short zone, uh, all the things that, that you want Tyus Bowser to do. And you know, Tyus Bowser isn't going to be there. Uh, if Dalen Hayes is not taking an enormous majority of snaps, then the Ravens all of a sudden are in a position. This is why the Vince Beagle injury is just so serious. The Ravens are in a position where they may have to move Adafi Owe over. Uh, it's already possible Owe may be a third down Sam linebacker, which is kind mm-hmm. of a waste of who he is, by the way. You know, to, yeah, to, yeah, to have him over sure. there covering a tight end, that's not really what you want. Uh, but the Ravens just don't have anybody that, that really fits the bill until Bowser returns. Uh, Houston and Stephen Means may both make the team. Stephen Means is here for one good reason. He, they have him in there to play run defense on early downs. He's a lot in a lot of ways what Ferguson was at his best was being a pretty good run defender on the edge. Of course, that horribly tragic situation as well. But Stephen Means, a guy they brought in effectively to, to play a similar role to Jalen. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like. You know, you you do the the week to week, and it, it's so quick that you can mean like another reason this is so empty right now is is Dev saying loss of Ferguson. Um, yeah, it, this this is a position group that is remarkably thin. This is the one position group right now that the Ravens don't have the plus one, uh, in my mm-hmm. opinion, to be able to have great depth and get through these preseason games. They're going to have to play players that they don't want to play uh, for extended periods just to field a team yeah. and. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really concerned. I mean, unless they just want to play like a lot of snaps for Moon and and, and such. Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of where they're at. I mean, and I feel like at this point, I'm a little surprised. Maybe it's a little too soon. They haven't added anybody. Maybe they have, but I'm, I haven't seen it. Um, just another back of the roster guy to to take snaps. Well, I mean, Stephen Means, I guess, is kind of that guy. Uh, but yeah, they, they, you're right. They have it. I mean, it's, it's, um, Owe, Houston and Hayes, and then you have Moon will be, will, will be on the, uh, um, you know, backing up and then Bowser and Ajabo and Beagle are all injured. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, none of them is going to be playing the opener as far as I can tell. I don't know where Tyus Bowser is exactly right here, but, um, yeah, I, I have not, I have not heard Harbaugh say one thing I could latch on to that says, yeah, I really believe he's going to be ready for opening day or, or even that he, you know, that he'll be anything but a midseason replacement at kind of the oper- optimistic standpoint. Yeah, I think Tyus has just been quieter than, um, than Dobbins as far as when to come back. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if his timeline is decent. But, I mean, similar to Tyus, we really haven't heard much about Marcus Peters' comeback. Right, a right. lot of these players, and 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 Ronnie Stanley. There's nothing concrete to say other than like, yeah, they seem like they're going to be good. Maybe not so much for Bowser, but for everyone else, they're like, yeah, 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 they'll they'll be there week one. Mm-hmm. But no clear strategy of when they're going to start practicing, when they're going to get brought into the fold. Yeah, absolutely, and and I I do kind of get the sense that some of these guys really 
it's almost preferable to them to be rehabbing the new camp. I don't think necessarily that of Bowser. I, I maybe think that of Stanley. I definitely think that of Marcus Peters. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah he's, he's definitely a guy who doesn't want to be at camp anyway. Justin Houston, another guy who, <laughs> yeah. who, while he has a lot to add as an on-field player coach, uh, I, I think, you know, he's a, he's a veteran. He knows how to play football. The, the game is not that complicated, as Brian Billick would have put it back in the day. And, you know, he's a guy who just doesn't really need camp himself. Yeah, I think um, with I mean, I was talking about this the other day with uh, the guys, but to me, like what I want out of Harbaugh is I want him to be a great leader of men that takes this team to eternal glory. I don't need him and I don't want him to actually communicate what's going on. Of course. <laughs> like, yeah. like I understand selfishly why you might want that, but I don't actually want it because I don't think it gives any advantage to the Ravens and I want the Ravens to win. <laughs> so right. him being silent or not telling anything or giving wrong messages about players uh, to protect the team is, is, is fine by me. But uh, yeah, so like you just have to like go into it knowing that, you know, coaches lie and, and John Harbaugh is a coach. <laughs> What, what I wanted to do for a new show idea, uh, particularly this preseason, was to do something on the subtext of that you get from interviews. And I don't know that there's enough, but you definitely want to look at it from offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, any kind of special teams, coaches, but it's coaching mostly. The players don't really care too much what they have to say one or the other. They're coached very carefully in terms of how to communicate and it's generally glasses 90% full is what they're conveying all the time. Okay. With, with the coaches, um, some of them are more open than others. Dean Pease actually, you know, people had problems with him as a DC, but he was very open with reporters about what he would tell people. Marty Mornenweg couldn't complete a sentence. So that was a, that was a problem on the other side that, that, that he didn't give you anything just because you couldn't quote him. You, you know, if you, if you asked him a question, you just kind of had to get the, the feel of what he said because it was like, you know, then you look at you know, it's just, everything is one, one run on thing that goes on for, you know, eight lines of, of, of text. That you give <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I thought it'd be interesting with some of the Harbaugh things because Harbaugh will give you a little bit of saltiness about players that he's unhappy about. He, he definitely, uh, you know, when when the injury settlement got done with Derek Wolf, and this is a good example, uh, he said, so that's done. And it's like, I'm happy we're done with that, you know, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> I, uh, you know, because I was really being pissed off by that. You could, you could pull some of that out of it. Uh, I, I, I don't think you I, – I, 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 I've ultimately decided I didn't think there was enough for an entire show on just this. But there, is a, there are a lot of comments that you just say, that's not where he would put his money. That's not what he really means by that. That's he wouldn't bet that way. He may th- he may hope that, but he doesn't bet that. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of fun listening to those pressers as far as the subtext. I'm also a big uh, analyzer of what the words that come out of their mouths are, and um, I'll have something to say about that for special teams later. All right, now we're talking. <laughs> All right, I think we've uh, <clears throat> okay. We hit outside linebacker. Boy, the one player. Who we got to see a big year from is Adafi Owe. I mean, it, it, right. this, he's like the Adley Rutschman of this defense <laughs> in terms of <clears throat> we're going through an exciting Oriole time. There's going to be a lot of Adley Rutschman comparisons, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, nah, God, I love this an Adley Rutschman. We're <laughs> in an Adley Rutschman shirt right now. I, I see, I, and I am. Yeah, it, it's so much fun that the Orioles are actually good again. I was there as part of the forty-one thousand on Saturday, 
And um, yeah, like it's it's really refreshing ball to see that everyone's excited again about the the team. And I mean, they're one and a half games out of the wild card, three games back from second place in the division. Just like who saw that coming? Yeah, well, not me. And uh, and I wonder now if if they could not make the Mancini and Lopez trades, if they wouldn't, I still I was very much in favor of of the trades being made to to let those players get going. Less so in terms of Lopez than in terms of Mancini, but very much very much in favor of letting Mancini go. And uh, boy, he's hitting it up now. It's okay. I mean, yeah, yeah I, they've played just great afterwards still. So I'm like, you know what? Like this isn't the season, right? Like yeah. this isn't the season. This is a little bit of false hope, but. It's enjoyable, and it's great to know that this is what they're doing and what mm. next year could hold, right? Yeah, so I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm about it. You, you, you probably heard today, Gunnar Henderson got upgraded by Baseball America to the number one prospect in all of baseball. Yep. And uh, Adley Rutschman has, is in position now to have perhaps the third greatest year, or sorry, rookie year ever by a catcher in history. Only Mike Piazza and Carlton Fisk in terms of wins above average, uh, are, are ahead of his pace. And this is a guy, wins above average is a cumulative stat. Uh, you know, so it's, it's you yeah. have to play a lot in order to accumulate a lot of wins above average. You have to play a lot at an above average level. And, and Rutschman, at 2.0 wins above average right now, is already, in 60 games, the 16th greatest rookie catcher of all time in any number of games. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, that's that's yeah. awesome. It's it's amazing. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. Yeah, he's so and, good. Like, oh, I was telling Rachel when we were at the game. I'm like, this is the new kid. Like, everyone's like enamored about him, and and he like he went for like I think two for three and had two walks. Like, yep, incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great to see the 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 Oriole dynasty of my youth. If the '68 to '85 dynasty where they won 18 straight. Uh, winning years, they outwalked their opponents every single year. They had great pitching teams. They had great hitting teams, particularly when you park adjust. They even had a speed team that won in 1973. But they, they, that team, the thing that was consistent about it is they outwalked their opponents every single year by an average of 123 per year. So it's three quarters of a walk per game they were beating their opponents by. And you know what that translates to in terms of all that grinding and all the additional pitches that they were getting in the area bef- in the era before pitch counts were even really in vogue as as important. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad that we have uh, two good bird teams again. <laughs> all right, let's get back to the Ravens here because yeah. that's what people want to hear about. But boy, we're excited about it. Uh, let's move over to inside linebacker. I haven't seen anything uh, to expect anything but Queen and Bynes to start the game and basically to see what we saw last year. In terms of of you know Bynes being the Mike and lead player in terms of most run plays, being the initial block shedder in a lot of cases on that strong side, and and uh, Queen just played a lot better when he's able to trail the play and has to shed less blocks in doing so. Agreed. Now, do you think he'll get some Mike snaps in this game? If, I think so. If he, do, I think, I think it's possible. And if, if he does, I think what we may see is if the the few times that the Ravens really bring on their dime package, I think they might leave Queen in. And I don't know if that means the regular season that's going to be the way they do it, but I think they do want to put Queen in that position and see if they can get more out of him in coverage. Uh, so Chris Board last year was the linebacker they left on on third down, and I think there's a good chance Patrick Queen can win that role and be a three down linebacker this year. But he's going to have to, he's going to have to 
change his ability to cover. Right. I think uh, going past those two, maybe I'm really curious to see what happens with Malik Harrison, uh, particularly mm-hmm. after what happened to him at the end of last year. Um, not really notable, but he's having a lot of social media appearances with uh, like these riddles. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. I mean, the media team's paying attention to him. Maybe it's just because he's a character, but maybe he's getting playtime. I don't know. So I'm excited to see what he brings uh, in year three. I think he's, he's setting himself up to be the the butt of a bad joke with all the riddles you know so if, if you know, the first the first mistake he, he makes is it's going to be riddle me this yeah <laughs> uh, uh, he, he he's a guy who, who could see some time at outside linebacker in this game and not because i really think he's going to end there i do not believe that's going to happen during the season but because the ravens are so desperate for outside linebackers at this point uh, it could be him and Moon in the second half getting significant playing time. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I think at this point he will be used as a pseudo-emergency outside linebacker. Get get uh, Should get a good amount of mic snaps in there. And it may even be a, a case where he's one of the stars I'm writing about after this first game because he's gotten opportunities at various place, uh, places in the second half. Uh, provides a great opportunity for him to make some plays against some you know lesser talent. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and he and he needs it. I think he needs like the confidence boost, right? After what happened last year, I think he'll need to stack those performances. So, hopefully, he's able to, you know, find a excuse me, find a role uh, for himself on this team. And I also really excited about some of the um, undrafted guys like Sakoa oh, yeah. McLean and uh, Diego Fagot. Yeah, Fago is a is a guy who who uh, a lot of people love. I think he might be too small for this league, but we'll see. We'll see if he if he plays, uh, you know, big enough as an inside linebacker. I think he, we'll see with Jacoby McClain, um, you know, what he can what he can bring to the field in terms of being a, a, a really solid tackler. He was a good player at Auburn. Uh, will will those skills translate into the NFL? We'll see. Um, but uh, he's a, he's a guy who probably is my favorite of the undrafted linebackers and and i expect we'll, he'll be in the second group we'll see on the field so we'll probably see him at the mic and harrison at the will would be my guess we may even see harrison and him you know switch positions at some yeah. point so so they get him each on at, at at some mic some will uh but he's he's an exciting player and then we'll we'll see if we go obviously in the second half for for a significant period of time probably yeah no those are exciting players uh that definitely I think they have a great shot of making the roster. There's kind of a hole there. Um, so we'll see. All right. Uh, on the defensive line, I think, you know, it's, it's, they're not a ton of young talent there. We've seen Broderick Washington and what he can do in the preseason. He's the guy who's kind of on the fringe of the roster. I think he makes it, but, but he's on the fringe. He's the sixth probably defensive lineman if their depth holds up. Uh, and then you've got uh, uh, Travis uh, Jones making his uh, – NFL debut, definitely a guy who should play a lot this year. I think one thing I hoped that we'll see here early is they use him kind of a lot, see if he can replicate some of that college um, ability to play a lot of snaps consecutively. Because, you know, he's not going to play more than about 20 snaps the whole game, no matter what, because they have other guys they need to take a look at in the second half. But if he could play, you know, six or seven or eight consecutive snaps at some point, I think that that would be good. And I'd like to see him both at one and three in there with Michael Pierce, maybe briefly on that first drive or two where he's he's, uh, you know, 
they're two big pillars against the run playing at the same time because I think like it was with Pierce and Brandon Williams, that's a potential to really bring back some great run-stuffing defense here. Yeah, he's back uh, making splashes in the pre or in in camp. Uh, definitely excited to see what he can provide uh, in this preseason game. Like you said, I want to see him at one and three tech. I want to see him play a lot of snaps. Like, I mean, again, like they can't play him too much, but I'm definitely really curious to see what he can bring. And I think he is in position to carve more role for himself. I think he already has a role. Um, the question is how much of a role, how much responsibility, how many snaps can he take on, keep this line fresh, um, and still, you know, be a high contributor. Yeah. It's a great point because he could be at, in a worst case scenario for his rookie year, he'll be active every week. And I think, I, I mean, they, they, they could find a way to sit him at some point, but I think he'll be active every week and he just is the backup nose tackle playing relatively few, t- few snaps. He's in, in some jumbo situations and some short yardage with other, uh, the other big guys with Pierce specifically, but otherwise he's just taking snaps for Pierce when, when Pierce needs a breather. That's his least possible playing time he can get this year, but he can get a lot of playing time if the Ravens play a fair amount of base defense and they really want to play big. That could be the case against certain teams. Against the Browns, they're probably going to want to play bigger, uh, be bigger in the middle in particular. You bring in Brent Urban as a third body and those kind of uh, formations, and you really have something. The other thing is I think they're really trying to reduce two players' snaps and rundowns more. One is Matabike, and I know that's kind of a surprise to people, but Matabike really gives the Ravens more as a pass rusher. A little undersized, and I think he would actually benefit from playing a few less snaps, not necessarily less than last year, but don't don't turn him into a complete, uh, you know, three down run and pass defender. Try and make him a little bit more of a specialist and try and get a little bit more in one on one matchup wins. But mm-hmm. the other guy who fits that bill is Campbell. He needs to play less snaps to, to maintain his effectiveness, I would think. I mean, I say that every year. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he, still, he still plays a ton, but uh, uh, I, I would think it's, it's going to help his effectiveness if he plays fewer snaps. And that means more pass rush snaps. Correct. Yeah. And I think more opportune snaps, like you said, pass rush snaps and also like um, not being asked to do the dirty work. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the big reason Campbell hasn't put up the sack numbers in Baltimore is not because of a degradation in skill, but just not given the opportunities. He's been doing other roles, very important to the defense uh, and taking one for the team. And I appreciated Mm -hmm. that from him. But I'm thinking maybe now we're starting to have the depth. We're starting to have the extra. capabilities out of these other players that maybe he can be put back into those situations. And I'm really hoping that happens. Yeah. I, I, and we don't know if Broderick Washington is going to be active every week, but Broderick Washington is a guy he's built to play three tech, but he probably is a guy who can play both three and a little bit of five. And Brent Urban is certainly a guy who's has a long history of playing three and five for the Ravens and for, and elsewhere as well. But you know, that kind of three, five guy is the guy who's going to spell Campbell. Because Campbell, you know, they want his size in there. They want him in on rundowns, and they don't really have another guy who's ideal for that. Gives you a little bit of pass rush. Urban does a lot of the things that Campbell does almost as well. And obviously, probably does nothing <laughs> that Campbell does completely as well. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We'll talk about the cornerbacks a little bit. To, to me, the guy I'm most interested in seeing at cornerbacks is, is to see Pepe Williams under live fire here. Uh, a guy who I expect to win the slot job. Now, I saw at the stadium practice, he was playing a lot on the outside. Right. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm really 
interested to see exactly what they do, whether it's going to be, I, I expect he'll start at, at least at slot and then maybe play on some on the outside as well. Uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about this, I think a little bit was that Justin Armour Davis was playing a fair amount of slot corner in that stadium practice. Right. Yeah. I think uh, this is <laughs> preseason's the time not to uh, necessarily be playing these players out of position. Uh, mm-hmm. so to speak, I think we'll see the consistency of Pepe on the inside and Armour Davis on the outside for the preseason games during live fire. I don't know what was going on in that stadium practice, but it, that was just weird. And I don't mm-hmm. anticipate seeing that again. Now, if we do see it, I think that that is that they're starting to tell us something at that point. Right. Um, but I, I think maybe that was just a, an outlier, but yeah, that was one of the things I wrote down is like, what's the deal with the rookie cornerbacks and where they're actually playing? Uh, very excited to see Pepe Williams. I hear that he's making you know, splash plays. He definitely has a big personality and and all that. And I think he has a role in this team. Arvin Davis obviously has a role in this team too for depth purposes uh, on outside. I, I, I just can't wait to see these players. I want to see what Stevens can do year two and where mm-hmm. he's playing because he was a Swiss Army knife last year. What What's his role this year? And it sounds like it's going to be as outside cornerback, but I want to see it. I want to see what they do with him. Yeah, I, I want to see that, too. Of course, uh, Stevens is one of the guys I've really got my eye on in this preseason, and, and he's a guy I expect to really be on the outside. I don't think he's going to be playing safety, and if he does, it'll be a mop-up activity in the second half. It won't be... He, he just... I don't see that he fits into their top five safeties at all, and I think they'll keep five. Uh, he, he definitely fits into their top six cornerbacks, and, and that's where he, I think he, he probably is number five or number six. Uh, they're on the outside. You know, you've got Ardarius Washington, who does not appear to be healthy and ready to start the season. We'll see if that changes. Um, but right now, that makes it a great opportunity for Pepe Williams to to nail down that slot job, to show what he's got in terms of being a downhill physical player, which is, you know, what he certainly was in college. Um, and and uh, and be a guy that the, the Ravens can really depend on to be a starter. If if ideal world we see Pepe Williams is is Tavon Young he's not as fast uh, but hopefully he's he's you know similar size and and uh, just as physical as Tavon was correct and interesting about Stevens right the safety room has had such an overhaul in the last year not just from acquisitions which they made several mm-hmm. right but they also lost Elliot so right like it's a it's a plus mm-hmm. two minus one but they made so many acquisitions during the season, Tony Jefferson comes on super strong at the end of the year. He mm-hmm. seems like he has a place in the NFL again. Geno Stone started to show more and gain more of a, a, a spot. Um, all these players are starting to step up and, and make more of a name for themselves such that, yeah, like you said, um, Stevens basically now has to provide value at outside cornerback in order to get playing time. Mm-hmm. And I think he can do that, but I'm curious to see how he plays. I'm curious to see how Fuller plays. Uh, since it's been some time since we've seen what he can do. Yeah, he, he should be out there for a fair amount of time. I, I, I honestly don't believe that Fuller is a guy you have to protect during the preseason, but they do have a salary on him that, that tells you they're not going to cut him. But, uh, uh, you know, he's a guy who uh, he's, he's not one of their top two cornerbacks. Let's put it that way. And he's not I don't think he's a threat on this team to be a guy that they have first up in the slot if something were to happen to Williams either. No. We'll see. Yeah, I don't think so. All right. Uh, Pepe Williams, of course, playing, competing with those safeties for playing time as well. I mean, this is a slot corner job where it really might end up being only about 50% of the snaps. 
So when the other team's in base, you, ne- you don't even play a third corner. But you, even when the other team's in 12 or 22 or a lot of well, 12, let's say, is the really big one. Um, you end up with Chuck Clark on the field or, or, or Chuck Clark's always on the field, but Hamilton is on the field and Chuck Clark is covering the, the uh, receiver, the, the, sorry, the, the split tight end. So I, I, I do think corners will lose playing time to safeties. I think inside linebackers will lose playing time to safeties this year. In fact, if I'm going to make a bold prediction about the 22 defense, it would be that we see the fewest inside linebacker snaps that we've seen in Ravens history. So we'll see the fewest total sum of inside linebacker snaps. That's fair. I think unless Queen makes a large jump, um, the Ravens have been in a unique situation for most of their years of existence that uh, inside linebacker play would always have a high amount of play, right? Mm-hmm. Because they always had either Ray or Mosley. And um, yeah, I think, and they also never really quite had the safety room, right? With the safety room, so impressive. I they will, like you said, take snaps. You'll see. I think uh, that the outside linebackers will take snaps. So I think that's a good point. Yeah. So a lot of that will depend on the offense. If they get ahead in games, you're going to see a lot less inside linebackers on the field because because we may see some four safety, three corner quarter looks that basically drain the inside linebackers completely off the field. Uh, but anyway, that'll be fun. I want to talk about one safety competition because I think that's one of the interesting things about special teams is who's going to be the personal protector in this. And that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to seeing in game one here. Uh, we saw a fair amount of stone in there during the stadium practice. Uh, and we'll see who is lined up there. Uh, it seems to me like Jefferson would be a fairly natural choice, but stone may be the more gifted cover guy. Both of them have experience as a leader before in, in various roles, but Stone got the green dot, the one game that Clark had to sit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's possible that we see uh, we see either one of them uh, in this first game. Yeah, for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if they both make an appearance. Um, it's definitely one of theirs. Uh, one of their one of those two will get the role. And uh, I think I lean towards Stone, even though I like Jefferson a lot. I just feel like, you know, he's he's just more youthful, right? <laughs> Obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 means something on special teams. I think they might want to save Jefferson and and just the wear and tear on his body. Uh so I wouldn't be surprised if Stone gets the job, but I'm curious to see who lines up there and how they perform. Yeah. I I do question how much of a role they have for Jefferson if they don't have him in there on special teams. I mean, most players, most special teams players, my concern is, can they contribute to offense or defense? My concern with Jefferson is, I know, I, I don't have any question about whether Tony Jefferson can play that quarter position, replacing that Mike linebacker on an obvious passing down. But is that enough? Or could, you know, that could be Stone and Clark playing up front or, or uh, uh, Hamilton and Clark playing up front such that they wouldn't feel the need to have a fifth safety on the team if Stone is your personal protector and, and special teams captain? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Um, it's an int- almost more interesting to me as a game day activation perspective uh, than maybe the roster. I think I feel like Jefferson is going to have a role on this mm-hmm. team uh, as far as making the the team, but maybe um, maybe he's inactive. I don't know. I, I, I'm really curious to see how that plays. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I've I've kind of been thinking in the sense that all five would be active if healthy a lot of times. Uh, but you know, I've made the point also, it's a five to think four group. So you need to have four active if you want to play four safety 
packages. That's fairly obvious. Right. And I think the Ravens want to put themselves in the position where it can be, you know, any four of the five. If Stone's always going to be active because his defense is more valuable to the team, then it does make sense for Stone to be the personal protector and the special teams captain if you're really going to sit Tony Jefferson for some games. So it's it, it's it's actually it's a pretty tough call for the Ravens to make. Uh, Stone has a little more value being year three, I believe now. Yeah, he's year yeah. three, 2020 draftee. So he's got a little more value in terms of a guy who who you know they still have some option value on Jefferson. Obviously older, uh, they probably can retain him no matter what. I don't think he has a lot lot of value. I don't think he has more value to any team than he does to the Ravens. I think that's right. Um, maybe he'll get the, the Weddle treatment and have, uh, more teams interested in in after some time. But I do think, um, yeah, I think this is really interesting. I, now that we've talked about it some more, I do think maybe stone wins personal protector for no other reason than to give Jefferson the ability to have some vet days during the season. So vet days, well, during vet, the season. Vet, okay. I guess like vet games, so to speak, meaning sit, games where he sits off yeah. the active roster. Yeah. yeah. That's possible. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, really interested in seeing Jordan Stout and yes. what he can do. And, and certainly as a, as a punter more than as a holder. And, and it, the holding is, is probably even more important. But I just I haven't seen enough of him as a punter right now to be uh, know exactly where he is. And in, in an optimal world, the Ravens wouldn't punt very much on Thursday night. But if they, <laughs> yeah. assuming they do punt on Thursday night, let's see Jordan Stout make some nice kicks. And he'll be in there for four quarters doing it because there ain't anybody else. I maintain that streak of, of victories. It'd be so, <laughs> so sweet. But um, yeah, so Salt, very interesting player. Um, obviously, yeah, like you said, you want to see him as a, a punter. You want to see him as a holder. And that co- this comes to my my statement. Uh, Tucker said during his presser that, uh, you know, maybe sometimes Salt won't hold it just right, but it's on me to make the kick when he was talking about, like, you know, getting the contract and all that. It's a big subtext item. Yeah, and I and I was like, is that he's trying to say something, or is that just like an example that's being made? Because like it's true, right? Like that is mm-hmm. his job. His job is to kick it through, no matter what the conditions are before that kick. But was he also having alternative meaning, or is that just like a throwaway? I don't know. There's <laughs> there's no reason to say it. Eh, I I can't take anything positive from that. I, I can't take anything. There's no way I can turn that into everything is fine. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, well, it, 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 it can't be right. Like mm-hmm. it is unreasonable to think that Stout as a rookie is a better holder than Cook or as right. good a holder or un- right. un- <laughs> indistinguishable. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. Like, as Hall of Fame holder, he's replacing. <laughs> right. Like it is it's completely unreasonable to assume that. So he has to be worse. Right. And just how much worse and how much is it bothering the goat? <laughs> Yeah, right. that, uh, that could be. It, it It did look like, at stadium practice, by the way, you know, there's this thing made about the 60-yard field goal. What, yeah, he did make a, a long field goal, and he doinked it over the upright to do it. But he was having all kinds of crossbar and sidebar issues during that practice. And he walked off the field at one point with Stout and did not appear happy. And, I, you know, I, I, he tried some long shots. He tried some that are not even that long for Justin Tucker, like 55. And, and it's 55 off a, off a tee or 55 out of Stout's hold. That's not that long. Uh, Tucker was, in fact, he was taking kicks while the they were in some sort of oh, red yeah. zone drill. Remember, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's, oh, it's just, I, I, first time somebody gets hit, that, that practice will be put to an end. But, uh, <laughs> but for whatever reason, he was, you know, spotlight hogging it. In terms <laughs> of the, uh, uh, 
Yeah, I, all I, right. I gotta see. I gotta see more of uh, of what Stout's doing. Hopefully, uh, a lot of extra point attempts. You know, he can get some holds in. Yeah. Now, the the last thing I want to see is a lot of uh, a gunner and jammer. Uh, who who are they putting out there? Who are they putting mm-hmm. out to return kicks after after uh, uh, Duvernay, who may not play in this first game? Uh, who are they putting out to return kicks and punts? Uh, do we have an idea who's who's the backup if if Duve is unavailable at any point? But uh, all things all things I try and look at in terms of uh, who's playing what role on special teams. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the game goes long enough, and I think Perche, who might be the number one returner after Duvernay, he'll, he won't play too many snaps either for that. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see uh, a run of players that are maybe not not unexpected, but. You know, let's see who they're interested in, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Last thing, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, is is about the Ravens' incredible winning streak going on, and and uh, you know their chance to extend it. Uh, I think, based on what we saw in the Fangio moment uh, last year, that really <laughs> upset him with Harbaugh, you know, playing for the extra three yards to try and get the record after Averett intercepted the ball in the end zone with three seconds to play. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a a moment that would tell you that this preseason winning streak does not mean nothing to this team. And Harbaugh might even point to it and use it as motivation during the preseason and say, hey, look, you guys are in there in the second half. You're carrying on a proud tradition here. You play like a Raven because this team in the second half, the depth of this team has been extraordinary in terms of what they've been able to do to other teams then. Unfortunately, I don't really feel that way about this year's defensive depth which has really been what what's done it for the ravens over the years correct yes uh this is i hope we find something in this game but just like the lack of numbers outside the linebacker has me concerned mm-hmm. that's the, the number one position i'm, I'm circling because i think the secondary might be very strong right we, we talked about how deep we feel like they might be uh, and and i mean i think relative to who they'll be playing i think our secondary might be pretty strong. So defensive line, you know, they're, they're all right. I think that all of those players have seen playing time in the regular season. So I feel like they have a little bit of a heads up. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you're talking about, right? Like who are the players? Have they, have they made regular season impacts versus how many people they have on their side that have made regular season impacts? I think that's kind of the barometer, but we're just like a little light on players right now on defense. You're totally right. And also, Part of me worries about the offense in a way, too, just being able to put up points because after the four wide receivers... Always a problem. It's always a problem. And also the quarterback situation with like not playing your one at all. You're already a little bit back. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> I don't know who the Titans are going to play. I mean, are they playing Tannehill or are they going right to Malik Willis? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Well, that he, Malik Willis could definitely be a guy who who puts the Ravens in a hole potentially, or 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 puts them up for that yeah, matter. Yeah, anything could happen, right? <laughs> but he he could he could definitely put them in a hole. He's, they're going to have a talent edge at quarterback uh, probably to start the game. In the second half, I I kind of think that Hundley might be um, a pretty good second half quarterback for the NFL. I think I think he's he's a little bit above the Trace McSorley level. Okay. He's a little bit above the, um, okay, who's the, the the classic guy? The Stony Case level, <laughs> uh, you know, in terms of, of, of who you have. Stony Case, you know, ended up getting starts during the regular season. Uh, but uh, but he, was a, he was an incredible comeback quarterback in, in the preseason in 1998. So 
Uh, anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, it's this is always like a, a a second football New Year. Draft Day is the is the first football New Year, but this is the second, and uh, it'll be really exciting to uh, to see what the Ravens put on the field and try and analyze that. And uh, I will be producing my normal uh, plus three to minus three for all of the bubble players. I don't read the starters or whatnot, uh, but you'll see a lot of my reasoning out there in, in an article and then in discussions that that happen after the game. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it, Ken. It's going to be a lot of fun. Are, are you uh, are you guys doing any programming uh, either to review the game or to preview it? Uh, we didn't preview the game. We did talk about um, kind of what we want to see out of the preseason. It's kind of similar to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be doing reviews of the games after they happen. Uh, this Thursday night game, we're going to wait, I think, until Monday to record just because of uh, scheduling. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to be covering each game. And like I said, we'll be there. So mm-hmm. um, excited to kind of be we were joking it's our preseason for figuring out how we're gonna get to games and and our timing of all that because you know we went to enough games but we never went all together right there's a little more conversation like because it's a common group like getting in a rhythm so to speak gotcha all right all right well that's always a pleasure to talk football with you alex and uh we'll be talking to you during the regular season several times i'm sure about offense or defensive uh reviews for games uh tell folks where they can find your work Sure, you can find us on Twitter at One Winning Pod, and of course, you can listen to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, etc. Uh, definitely give us a follow there; we would appreciate it. You know, one thing I don't mention very often, but I'll skip. I think people know how to contact me if they want to do a film study short. Other viewers out there, or other listeners out there, um, please drop by and give us a review. Uh, if you're if you're go to YouTube and watch any of the videos there. And there are a few out there. Love to have you like and subscribe over there. We'd really appreciate it. But uh, a review is really nice for the podcast. It's always a, a helpful thing to have uh, have good fans of the show. If you're listening to this point at an hour and 19 minutes in, uh, I think <laughs> yeah. you probably have proved your fandom for this uh, for this show. And I really appreciate you as as an audience. Uh, it's it's great having you. And uh, um, all the all the questions, all the communications uh, via Twitter, via ideas for uh, shows and whatnot, really appreciate it. And, uh, and and thanks for for being there again. And we'll start in a new year again. And uh, it it just means a lot to to have you guys there. Thanks again, Alec, for coming on. Yeah, of course, Ken. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.